an otter eating a fish under a bridge. There are plenty of otters in Ireland. I've seen them quite regularly when I'm fishing over there. Episode 128, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Gar Riley. I'm here, Gar. I didn't know, show. Unlike three people this week. <laughs> um, it is, it's, it's, it can be disheartening, but we're, we're back, and we're better than ever, and we're still sponsored by the fantastic Ocean Electrical, who I think the next quiz are probably going to sponsor every round. So every round is going to be sponsored by Ocean Electrical, but they are still available for all your domestic maintenance and uh, industrial electrical work so uh, check them out if you can oceanelectrical.ie and uh, get in touch with us if you need if you need any electrical work done it certainly won't be us doing it if you want to live and have some sort of <laughs> safe environment in your house but they will look after you Ocean Electrical are fantastic they're too generous if anything mm. so we've got an interview with player of the year of 83-84 Alan Campbell super striker and we look forward to Finn Harps on Saturday and the long awaited restart of the season it's a big one prof Hard to believe it's back. 147 days. 147 days. It's not back totally. Fans are going to be at a minimum, but listen, we're back kicking balls, so that's all that matters. Uh, so some after effects of our most recent show where we spoke to Gavin Bazunu and Mark Lynch. Uh, Gavin started training with the Man City Force team, so another Tifty's boost. Yeah. Uh, Working our magic again. Yeah, that, that's it. It's just yeah. uh, everybody seems to be on the up and up after they listen to this and get on to this show. I finally met Gavin's dad, by the way, in work. Ah, big man. Yeah, lovely guy. <laughs> He's gassing. But the other after effect we're talking about there is Mick McCarthy finally got his answer to this question of where's the cup? <laughs> oh, Mark. yeah. yeah. He, he had a little surprise from didn't he? What was this? He got the cup delivered to his front door. And he actually slept in bed with it that night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's photographs going around somewhere. Yeah, so the League of World of Fixtures were released, and as expected, they're in the same order as before, but spread over uh, three days for TV coverage. So our first games back, our weekend matches, we Finn Harps at home this Saturday. Dirty away on Sunday, and St. Pat's away the following Sunday. So these uh, possibly might suit people a little bit better, these Saturday and Sunday fixtures. Maybe, yeah. But the Fridays aren't really... Although they said it can change, didn't they? Yeah. The, especially the, the kick-off times. But there's no actual real run of Friday games until the end. Yeah, that's what and I noticed actually, yeah. yeah. Do you notice the FEI actually managed to work the fixtures around Europe rather than force clubs to rearrange it themselves? Yeah, It's almost like they were always capable of doing that. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Yeah, the... Potentially a mad situation as well. The last day of the season at Talca Park. I know, yeah. We spoke about this. If we were going for a title there quite strange where like only a few hundred home fans are allowed into the ground hopefully it's, it's changed by then madness 
Um, we received a boy into the first round of the FAI Cup and non-league teams aren't taking part this year so there's three preliminary games and uh, Pats Pats got a tough one they got done no they got Harps away on a Monday I think they're playing I think they're playing Harps twice in the space of three days one at home and one away um, Dundalk and Waterford was that one Dundalk and Waterford got as well uh, Longford and Cork Cork or Longford seem to be making some sort of rivalry out of this um, yeah so the government their decision to halt entry to phase 4 on the COVID-19 roadmap means there's less than 200 people can attend outdoor events into mid-August rather than 500 originally planned so no real crowds at Rovers home games until Shelbourne on the 21st of August at the earliest which could be put back again mm-hmm. so it's uh, something that we're going to have to just kind of wait and see and see what happens isn't it I see the GEA are pushing for 500 earlier than that. They're having 500 games anyway. No no one's watching or monitoring that. I've seen pictures of inter-county games packed to the brim. So they're, they're doing it either way, you know. Um, yes, so the Watch LOI has launched and the FAI streaming service. It's €55 Euro for over 55 games or you could pay €5 Euro for an individual game, €69 Euro for the rest of the world as well. So we are, overseas ticket holders don't need to pay. The club will buy it for you. So a very, very handsome gesture yeah, we from won- the club. We wondered about the quality of the stream and we got an idea with that friendly between Derry and Dundalk. That was very high quality. So Did it- you watch a bit of that, yeah? Uh, no, I just saw a clip of it. It looked, and, uh, it looked excellent. It, did, it was excellent. So we know it won't be like that track champ garbage where it's horrendous, blurry, and you can only see one half of the pitch. So the Russian spam bots can <laughs> can get their bets up. Poor Igor Boots <laughs> dropping clangers again. Yeah, he had his he, name cleared. Did he? He got cleared. Hell, yeah. I don't know because he was red hot. He was charged eighteen times by UEFA. I'm sure he's just unlucky. Oh, eighteen times, yeah. Um, yeah so uh, looking forward to it to see where people are going to be uh, watching the game and we did something on Instagram asking them and people are just saying we're going to watch it at home with friends there, some people are away so they're going to be watching on their phone and restaurants and stuff like that it's just very very strange um, Pico he said in an interview he said great to finally have a product like this launch to our league as an additional bonus my hair will be used as a microphone for commentary on all stream games all night long Absolutely, yeah. So, um, so it's going to be eighteen games in total. This is the first time we're playing less than thirty league games in a season since we played twenty seven in two thousand two, two thousand three. Twenty seven, two thousand two, two thousand three. So what was that? that, that what was the, the structure? First, nine. Yeah, nine teams, three times. Each. Yeah, that was the first summer season. And the last two seasons of the four in a row, there were twenty two game campaigns. Twenty two. Yep. Most of the 1970s were 26 games. Most of the 1960s were 22 games. Last time it was only 18. It was 1962-63 when Dundalk won it. And what about the 80s? What were they mostly? They were kind of all over the shop. Yeah. There was a lot of ex- experimenting going on. <laughs> In but, the uh, 80s, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first three decades of League of Ireland football, the majority were actually 18 games or less. Some were only 14. Which brings us to... Pat Holben, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, this yes. is a cracker. Yes, I said Holben. Deal yeah. with it. <laughs> he said, it's not winning the league for me, he says of the shortened season. Winning the league for me is playing 36 games. It's a long, hard-fought season. To win a league over 18 games is not winning a league. 
And I'm not just saying that because we're three points behind Rovers now. Even if we win it, I can't count it as a league medal. Like he, he just seems like a, a bad end, really. So, football teams playing each other home and away in a complete campaign. The basics of league, league football that we've seen for over three centuries now is not a league. He sounds like he's... According to Pat Hobb. Yeah, sounds like he's one of those annoyingly pedantic people who would just nip at all the tiniest details for no reason whatsoever. He just... It was great watching him just sulk off the pitch at Tallaght for 3-2 <laughs> as well, wasn't it? He ran so, right over to the south stand to celebrate. So even if Dundalk do win it now, at least, if nothing else, we'll get a great close-up of him celebrating like a madman. And then we can remind him of this nonsense. And also, great news, we've decided to all get asterisk tattoos when, yes. when we win the league. Big ones. On each cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's... Yeah, no, it is. It's a strange... Like, I'd say... I'd, I'd give him a slap on the wrist if it was me as a um, as a gaffer. I wouldn't want my players going and talking like that. So, it's a, it was a silly thing to do, to come out and say. But um, Dundalk actually lodged an appeal for a 27-game season with no relegation, which, I mean, sporting integrity goes out the window there, really, doesn't it? I think it's embarrassing. Crazy. Imagine actually lodging an appeal for having no relegation. Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. The sole amount of shite coming out of Dundalk <laughs> so in the last few weeks. You Jesus. Have, you have Vinnie Perth saying that his squad wasn't designed for 13 games. On the RTE podcast, he said one of the reasons they lost 3 2 to us and Tata was because they didn't have the forward players to come on to get third goal. Even though they brought on Georgie and Dan O'Kelly in that game. Yeah, we, we made we made this point, then, didn't we, before? Um, mm. Yeah, it's it just stinks of just him making excuses for his downfalls. And. Uh, if he he was he was okay on on that that podcast, but he, he when he like, said that, it just kind of eliminated everything decent that he had said previously. I actually thought him and Keith Lang were were really good on yeah. the Alan Cody podcast. Oh so, yeah, as well. But uh, it's just shite like that. It just <laughs> and he only referred to himself in the third person once only on the RT podcast. The, so the Perthinator, baby steps. So Shamrock Rovers starlet Kevin Zeffi is poised to join Italian joints in the Milan. Zeffi, 15, shot to prominence in December when he scored twice in the Ireland under 15s 3-1 win over England counterparts and he followed that up with a goal in their 2-0 win over Australia's under 17s the following month and that led to an invitation to train with PSV in March and it was scuppered by COVID-19 but that has not cooled the interest in the player whom Ireland's under 15 boss Jason Dunn who has likened to Damien Duff. So uh, I left in that bit about Duffer just to wind you up. Yeah, Duffer, where is he now? <laughs> Seventeen shells. Uh, so what, what have you heard about this kid? Hit, hitting I've, the heights there, Duffer. Well done. I um, have heard big things about him. Yeah, I've I've never seen a play, but from what I hear, he's excellent. He's he's brilliant, and um, this type of thing. Now this this is what the road zone is for, really, isn't it? But I'd love to see him get into the force team. At the likes of sixteen and seventeen, you know these su- yeah these superstar kids and get them on a contract and ultimately that's what you're looking for here is the roadstone is there to a pathway into the force team and eventually these guys are probably going to go away if they're good enough and then we get a few quid for it so that is that's pretty much it and anyone who says that that's not the case and they're going to be there for life and no it's not you have to be a realist. That whole 
You have to say probably we're going to get... That's just the way things are. If we only have these really good kids who are good players and they end up in the fours team or 16 and 17, they're probably going to get bought. So, that's it. The whole 15s team is is supposed to be unbelievable. Yeah, they're supposed to be absolutely stunning. Um, Members. Members, members everywhere, Prof. We're now up to 485 members. 100 more than where we were a few weeks weeks ago. So now we stand at the peak of our membership number since we started 2002. We have knocked the socks off that number. 485 members. That's fantastic, isn't it? Like, think about that. That's insane. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, they they a few more. They We can bump it up to 500. We should make the a, a draw for 500. But I'm, I'm guessing a lot of it was motivated by getting into the games. I'm not a pessimist by any means, but I actually didn't think we'd get over 400 again. No, I didn't either. <laughs> not at all. But listen, it's great news. We're not a uh, we're not dissing it at all. Absolutely mm-hmm. delighted with the with the members' numbers. Yeah, we had our big members meeting, the big Zoom meeting there a couple of weeks ago, presented by Mark and McDara and John Quinn and his loud radio. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Who's that? Is that what that was? <laughs> it was John Quinn. Had to be told about ten times to turn it down. <laughs> Barney, our proudest new member, he was asked to take the minutes. He's a fantastic member. Yeah. He really is. He, get, he's get what we, we should be aspiring to, you know. Getting very involved now. Yeah, very involved. Proud member. I couldn't help, but I know it's childish, but I just started clicking on other people during the meeting. I yeah. Just started staring at I them. was swiping away. I was like, oh, <laughs> what, what's he doing? Who, oh, he's drinking tea. It's just <laughs> oddly fascinating to watch other people sit there and listen, but not contribute anything vocally. <laughs> But they have to present themselves and just sort of do nothing. Prof the voyeur. <laughs> Voyeurism, isn't it? Um, yeah, so great stuff with our membership. And remember, there's always room for more. We always want more members. It's helping the club and um, there's loads of benefits, especially considering the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, with great news again, Rovers are officially seeded in the fourth round. The Europa League draw takes place on August 10th. Does... Ugh, this is a discussion now. Do you think that being seeded has much more of an advantage? It can it can go either way, can't it? Yeah, if you look at our list of opponents on this occasion, it's definitely an advantage. I mean, on the other side of it, there's definitely stronger calibre of teams mm. if, if we had been unseeded. Yeah. Then again, this is the first time since 2016 against Rops that we're seeded the first hurdle. <laughs> so we go. We were seeded there. I was oh. looking at a few teams there. I want Sirens FC. I'll take those. Uh, Maltese team. I think they only came up from Would the you? second division last year. And they're on the green list as well. So a little trip to Malta. Were you like a Welsh or Northern team? Were or you someone from the Faroes? Or yeah, something? were you a, a handy number yeah. pretty much? I mean, no Swedes or Norwegians for, for a change. No. So that's nice. But when's, re- the, when's the last time we went into a game? It would have been Rops, wouldn't it? As the, not the underdog that did. The top dog, wouldn't it? As the favourites, Would have yeah. been the favourites as Rops, wouldn't it? Yeah, they weren't a good team, by any means. No, they weren't. Did you see how we were seeded? It was by the skin of our teeth. Literally. It would be the same seeding as the top team in the unseeded. So what pushed that through? I'm not sure, actually. Wouldn't we, maybe was... games played in the last while? Maybe the wins that we've had against... It came down to decimal points, didn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. maybe the win against Limassol or... Or Bergen, or out in Bergen last year, maybe any of those results could have worked in our favour. It's a shame that the Apollon win didn't count for anything. 
because single leg wins don't actually contribute to your coefficients. Oh, well, I didn't sadly. know that. But uh, there was all sorts of permutations as well, wasn't there? There was like Albanian teams not qualifying and Romanian teams not winning their cup and all this. Like All sorts of carry on. We were keeping an eye on the whole thing. But as you said, the green list. There's countries like Lithuania, Slovakia, Latvia, Estonia, all on it. Riga, prof, Riga. Actually, <laughs> a lot of European opponents. So mm. are we actually going to fly over to one of these countries and watch the stream of the game in a bar? <laughs> and that's is it even possible? We'll even let. <laughs> um, I think a, a bar closest to the ground is possible, and then possibly a little bit of a, an adventure to try and get into the game. Um, yeah, so roll on, Europe. Uh, Mark Scanlon is the new League of Ireland director, prof, and this is a fantastic appointment. One of the best appointments I've seen in a long, long time. Um, really unbiased and fair appointment. And I can't wait to see what this guy has got in his bag, you know. See which way he can bring the league forward. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Keep on hooping. But um, Sligo, transfer news, bro. Sligo spent their whole GoFundMe budget on Junior. A striker. The league's top goal scorer with Derry in 2019, so he was been playing in Israel. So Sligo have tempted him. He's been brought back Riverstown, the gorgeous Riverstown, and he's been tempted. This is a gamble, right? Oh, I think it's a gamble. He's he's good, like, but I. If they give him the service, he'll score the goals to keep him up, alright. Didn't but... he? Not he didn't fall over the line, but he had like. He had a, a good purple patch towards the end of the season, didn't he? That season he got. A, Hmm. And then it was down to the likes of certain other strikers not scoring. Um, yeah, I think to spend your whole GoFundMe on one player, putting all your eggs in one basket, really, isn't it? We'll see if it pays off. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a big gamble, alright. Georgie Kelly has gone to Pats on loan, which is a very very good sign in my opinion. Um, Pats, just I couldn't see where they were going to get the goals. I was looking at their team, and they seemed to have a decent enough eleven. I just really don't know where they were going to score goals from. Who's it, Martin Rennie? No, I've given up on tipping pass for relegation. They just—they always wriggle out of it somehow every wriggle season. Wriggle out of it, don't our, they? Our best chance to send them down was that season where we couldn't beat them. Yeah, they had. We it was a 2016, was it? We had a chance. That's what one of the guys in no, I think it was the following year, wasn't it? It was somewhere along those lines, yeah. anyway. But either way, Palomar and Mark always says that he goes, "You had your chance." Interesting that the clubs who stopped paying their players. Yep. During the COVID nineteen pandemic, are now the ones who are the most active in the market. Mm. They've um, funny how that works. They've released a couple of players as well. They released Dean Clark. They released Brian Maher. They released who else? Jake Walker, I think it was. So they're definitely they're definitely doing doing bits in the transfer market, all right. Yeah, in a in a quick snippet of news, Prof, uh, your favourite ex-manager is now the interim coach of Atlanta United, Stephen Glass. Will he take charge of them for one game and get them knocked out of the cup? Oh, what a pain. Imagine being interim coach of both Shamrock Rovers and Atlanta. He would, What uh, a bizarre career he's had. Yeah, he shattered your dreams, all right. <laughs> Um, yes, so um, the Bose European toy, if they are drawn at home, this will be at the Aviva Stadium. Oh. Like, see, <laughs> there's, there's other stadiums they could have used. Name one. There's other stadiums they could have used Tass Stadium. Like, think about it. There's <laughs> obviously, they got a favour down here, right? 
so Viva Stadium, they're probably getting that as a as a little handy one, you know, not not probably having to pay for it. Sure, I don't know. I don't know what way it works, but either way, there's no way. There's no way they were gonna ask us. <laughs> Could they use that stadium? Uh, so, like, I'll be honest. They will be bounced around if they get any sort of decent team. Any sort of decent team, the Aviva, they will be hopped off of. So it really doesn't make sense. That'd be bizarre, wouldn't it? Yeah. Playing, playing in front of it. How many? Is Aviva hold fifty thousand? An empty ground. An empty ground. Yeah. Either way, no matter what. Um, yeah, so that's that there. I know we're in the same boat. It's going to be an empty tada when we, if we host a European team. But. Yep. Dundalk. Dundalk was supposed to play Celtic in a friendly, but was cancelled and the Derry, they stepped in, but FA wouldn't, FAI wouldn't sanction it either because of travel restrictions. So the, everybody's been scuppered all all across the board. There's um, Glamour Friendly's being organised and Glamour Friendly's being cancelled. Mm. So PSG, I think PSG beat the team 9-0 that replaced us. <laughs> Should have been us. <laughs> Should have been us getting that spanking. We, actually, we would have been allowed into that game. It would have, I would saw have cost that. There was a, there was, and there was apparently it was a brilliant a brilliant weekend. Celtic and PSG, were, it was a big love-in. And uh, yeah, it's disappointing. But listen, it's it's just the way things are. Yeah, you would have gone in with as long as you wore a face mask. Yeah, paid your fifty-seven quid. But there you fifty-seven, go. fifty-seven euro went to friendly. Um, yeah, so that's all the scuppering of the glamour friendlies. Um, we'll move on to the All Island League now as well, which is uh, ultimately like it's it's something I'd love to see. Because when you think about it, like if you'd, you'd have a proper league, then you'd have twenty teams, thirty six games or thirty eight games, and you're going up and down. Like you'd have those prestigious, prestigious might not be the word, but you'd have those kind of toys that you're looking forward to with a bit of needle to them, heading up to Linfield, heading up to Glentoran. You know all these great away days as well, and they'd be bringing good, good, uh, good numbers down. So everybody's quids in as well. 20 to 22 premier clubs either side of the border have asked their associations for a proposal to be sent to UEFA for an all-island league. So um, Cliftonville are one of the northern clubs who stayed out. I wonder what that was about. I don't think we got any info on it, did we? I don't know. But what I found remarkable was how did we get a unanimous decision by every premier division club in the Republic on anything? Yeah, on anything. I think it was all done in private ballot, so I'd say they didn't know what the other clubs were doing. So if that had been the case, there would have been uproar. Like, what are Rovers doing? Yeah, let's vote against it. So what do you think prompted this? Was it because our restart was taking so long and the clubs were just losing faith in the FEI? Maybe common sense. Maybe they just decided, you know what, this is what is needed. Um, Does this whole situation just sort of push it to the fore, where it's like... We need something new yeah. to really push our. Yeah, or may, maybe on. maybe they were they were told. Listen, there's more money. Simple. There's mm. more money in it. There's more money in this, and there's you won't lose European places. That's what I think was what, what the crack was. Well, that was obviously the obstacle, but they have settled that. Where it's like we play our own teams, the European bases are settled, and then it moves on to the next phase, and. That- but uh, yeah, no, it has to be all about European places for me anyway. Um, yeah, staying on the the topic of the Irish Cup semi-finals. Um, I didn't watch it myself. I watched the penals last night, but uh, apparently it's not a great standard. 
Penos are pretty cool. Some great ones taken there. Dicky Brush was in goal. Uh, <laughs> the Undertaker. Yeah, the Undertaker. Literally, the Undertaker. Um, other than that, apparently it wasn't great. Here's a sentence I never thought I'd say. But there was a friendly the other week where Ethan Boyle scored a goal for Linfield against Bowles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, so Ethan Boyle uh, storming, it, storming the league up there. Up in uh, Windsor Park. Um, BBC documentary prof on Michael O'Neill, his playing days and his time as Northern Ireland manager. And what, I think, how much air time did the Rovers get? 40 seconds? Well, Mooner said he watched it, yeah. He said we got all 20 seconds mentioned. <sighs> but, uh, well, it was Michael O'Neill who was deciding what he would talk about. Yeah, so, so I don't think he was going to talk much about us. That's that <laughs> more about him or the BBC's editing? Probably more about him. I think so, yeah. More about his choice of topic. Mm-hmm. Milner, by the way, literally couldn't get a game for the Ivy. <laughs> you wouldn't get a game for the Ivy. I don't think he wants a game for the Ivy, to be honest. <laughs> they are embattled in a 5-4 ding-dong, I think it was, last night out in Hartstown. I think it ended that. It was the... <laughs> Wait, here it is, actually. Ivy were 4-0 up, and then it went... Like, both teams went down to 9 men. And then it was four all, and then Ivy scored five four. I don't know what score it ended in the end, but that's that's a uh, you're getting your money's worth there. Tommy Tommy had an excellent takedown of that garbage Eamon Sweeney article a few weeks ago. He dissected that, loved it, and just tore it to shreds. It was great stuff from Tommy, and um, check it out. It's on extratime.ie. It's a really really good piece, and it just dissects and trashes. Eamon Sweeney's garbage. So I'll read you the last sentence. He said, Overall, the article had the feel of a hostile rant from either the kind of GAA fan who is, in quotes, concerned with seeing soccer erased from the sporting map of this country or a bothered barstooler suffering from a bout of colonial cringe. <laughs> Great words from the main yeah. man himself. I'm going to... Absolutely fantastic, but I'm going to give Tommy 9.5 out of 10. 9.5. Why did you duck him? I'm not giving him full marks because he didn't call anyone a gee bag. Yeah, and <laughs> and it uh, depends if he's, if he's still like Samson over this lockdown. I'm hoping the locks are back. Hoping the long flowing silver locks are back on the Tommy Tommy. Speaking of god-awful articles, uh, we had one on the 42.ie by Gary Doyle called Now more than ever, Irish football needs another Sunderland to happen. So, like from 2006-2008, where the chairman, manager and several players were at one English club. So, Prof, you, your sniper is out and it's well and truly <laughs> being used here, but what the fuck is going on? Yeah, because the Dublin Dons in the 90s, yeah, that would have been great the for The Dublin Dons, remember that? Remember how embarrassing that would have been? Like, it's... What's the point? What's the point in this... Gary, uh, uh, I'd, I'd like to meet Gary, though. Just to see what goes on in his head. Did you see the Liverpool victory parade of cars in Killarney? <laughs> Killarney, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we're a horrible nation. <laughs> um, Yeah, we have a new segment coming up. Bets with Barry Bear. He won 500 quid in his fantasy football league. That is actually very uh, consistent when you think about it. That's very impressive. It's a it's a very, very impressive win. And it's he had to pick three teams every week. Had to bump his score up by a couple of points every week. It was a very, very impressive one. So we could have the Barry, 
the Barry Bear Man on doing his bits. Yeah, we asked Connor for a quote on this, and mm-hmm. he said this. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of a very well-made point. And then we got Mark Turner's reaction, and he had this to say. Uh, so, uh, you can only imagine what goes on in our WhatsApp group. Um, it's full of uh, educated individuals. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so next up we have uh, the classic 80s striker. And I was only going through his uh, Wikipedia not too long ago. And quite the impressive resume. So up next we have Alan Campbell. So Alan, going back to the beginning uh, at Milltown in the late 70s, there was something similar to a youth training scheme that you'd see in the UK at the time. It produced the likes of yourself, Liam Buckley, Richie Betty, Pierce O'Leary. So these players would train with the first team in the morning and then do their studies in the afternoon. So... Talk about coming to Rovers and that whole period leading up to your senior debut. Yeah, well, uh, at the very start, uh, I actually played for the for the U team. So that that's I played uh, on a Sunday morning with the U team, and maybe the odd the odd Saturday afternoon as the season went on, my first season, I might get a, a spot in the reserves on that on the Saturday afternoon, you know. But um, that's that's. That's the training we used to do. It was like full-time professionals at the time. We were only young. Like you say, there was Richie Bailey, there was Harry Kenny, Pierce O'Leary, myself. You know, there, there was a there was a big group of us and you had Ray Tracy. Um, let me see, Eamon Dunphy and Gilesy and that there as well, you know. It was, a, it was um, they were good times, you know. And uh, it's... It, it, uh, it was really, it was really interesting times to be honest, because I don't think it ever been tried in Ireland before, you know. And um, it was, uh, it, we used to train sometimes up there in Blackrock College and sometimes um, in Milltown itself, you know, because I only ever played in Milltown. I didn't play in any of the other places. And you made your you actual uh, Robbers debut in October '78 in the Lancer Senior Cup, and then your League of Ireland debut was against again. Galway in March '79. You scored in both of those games. That must have been fantastic for you. Yeah, I remember the first game against St Francis, and that um, I remember scoring. I think I got a couple that night, and uh, then over in Galway, um, I remember. I remember over there was a very muddy day that day, and I remember scoring that day as well. You know, but um, it was uh, that, that was a that was a great start to the year. That one, you know. Um, because I, I think I went on to score a number of goals that year as well. That was my first full season, you know, and uh, it was a it was a cracking time to be playing, you know, especially with all the younger players coming through as well. And you knew them so well from playing, you know, training with them, you know, for a year earlier on, you know, the year before and that, you know. But um, it was great to see all the young players coming through at that time. But um, that was a very exciting season as well, the first one. Yeah, you were the league's top goal scorer in your first full season, 22 goals. That was a hell of an impact. And you missed a number of games yeah. to your injury as well, which made the achievements all the more impressive. So what sticks yeah. out in your mind from that particular season? I think that there was a fella from Morris, was that his name, from Limerick. And he always had that. You'd be looking to see how many goals he scored or if he scored it. And and you'd probably score. But you can bet your life every time I scored, he'd score. You know, that type of thing. And I think coming towards the end, I think he had about 19 goals. And it was first to 20. If he got the 20, he got a 1,000 quid. 
And that's what it was all. Uh, <laughs> that's what the race was for. And I think I was sitting on 18 or something. He had 19. And uh, I think I scored a hat-trick one time. And it just went over to 20. And I got to the 20 before him. So it was great celebration. I, was only, I think I was only 19 at the time, you know. But it was uh, it was great, and you know, do we, you know, we, because like I said, it was great playing with all the young players. It wasn't all young players at the time in Rovers at that time. Like Eamon Duffy was playing, Ray Tracy was playing as well. You know, you play up front with Ray and that as well, and it was um, Noel Sinnott at the back and Alan O'Neill. You know, all these lads as well. It wasn't just a Mick Gannon right full. Like it wasn't just that. It wasn't just all young lads, you know. It was um, it was a good it was a good it was a good side to be playing in, you know. And I I, I relish it because you know what I mean. You know, after twenty two goals, you know what I mean. It was a, I, 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 it was a good season, especially it being my first season, you know. Yeah, that was exactly my next question about this uh, soccer report or one thousand pound prize. Uh, you actually scored four times by yeah. the way in the last game. It was seven one over well, UCD. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah first, I, I knew it's good. I knew. The first one was Sorry, a penalty, which you hadn't taken before. So, were your teammates doing you a favour there? Possibly, possibly, because <laughs> I, I think it was late in the season as well, and um, I couldn't even tell you who. I, I remember Ray Tracy took penalties. I remember him taking them up on the rod at one time. So maybe that's what it was, and they were saying just go for it, you know. And I was probably early in the game as well, and you know. Um, probably expected to score a couple but you know what I mean like nobody expects to score four goals to be really honest with you you know what I mean at any level really you know but uh, like I said great uh, players around you and that and um, they, they, they were you know it, you know, it was a it was a great year the first year in Rovers was, was really I was really uh, it was you know what I mean it, it was great to be part of it and and um, you know it was uh, as far as uh, the 22 goals were concerned like you, you couldn't dream of a start you know your first season like that you know what I mean you know first full season because the season earlier on it was mainly in the U team and your reserves and just getting the odd game I was reading a bit more about that day you're, when you hit the 20 your teammates rushed to congratulate you here you your, your dad Noel was going crazy in the stand so do you remember any more from that day <laughs> Yeah, I remember my dad and my brother Noel. Um, unfortunately, both have passed away since. But um, it, it was, uh, it, it was. It, it, you know, sometimes you, you love to see them enjoying it as well. You know what I mean? Because all, all our family were Shamrock Rovers. We, we were brought up. I was brought up going up and watching, you know, Billy Dixon and Frank O'Neill, and you know, watching all these boys years ago, Damien Richardson and all that. So, like, I was a Shamrock Rovers supporter, and my dream was to play for Rovers. You know what I mean? That was my big, you know, my big thing was to play for Rovers, and uh, to get the opportunity, and then um, to be leading goal scorer, and to see my dad's face and my brother's face and all that. that that's that's what you do it for. You know what I mean? Because they get such a great kick out of it as well, and the fans as well were. You know, we were all. Everybody was really thrilled. You know, but um, it was a, it was it was very exciting, especially being such a young player on that as well. And uh, speaking of family, this question comes from your brother Colin. He said he heard once in your early days at Rovers, you were offered a chance to sign for Bowes, but your dad wouldn't allow it. Is there any truth behind that? <laughs> See, I played with uh, I played with St Joseph's and in Salinogan, and what the situation was that when we were coming towards the end. I had a. I played when when we were playing youth football, school by football. I played a year under my age, if you know what I mean. Like I was playing under 18s, but I couldn't play under 17s. That's why when we finished with St Joseph's under 18s, I could then play for the under 18 Shamrock Rovers team. 
So I played a year under all the time. So what happened then was um, Anta Whelan, who was a great friend of mine, still is a great friend of mine. We, we went right up through the ranks together, myself and Anto. And um, Anto was going to balls and Jimmy Whelan, Anto's dad was our manager. And there was talk of me going to Bohemians at the time, but I, it was never something that I even considered. And that's being honest with you. Like I used to wind my dad up and my brothers up about it, saying, "I'm going to sign for both," but it was only a wind up to them because I knew they were all Shamrock Rovers mad. <laughs> you know, but it was never, it was never going to happen. Put it that way. And I believe you nearly joined Celtic at one stage. Actually, it's strange. It's um, I nearly signed for Celtic twice. In fact, um, after that season, um, I remember Billy McNeil was over and um, he spoke with. Uh, John Giles and uh, my dad was involved in that and they decided that it wasn't right at, that, at the end of that season that it wasn't right for me to go um, you know what I mean I didn't get an awful lot of say in the matter to be perfectly honest with you it was up to the clubs and they just couldn't agree with the monies and things like that but later on later on again when I left let me see when I left when I left Spain when I actually left Spain I Billy asked me to come up up to up to um, up to Parkhead and do preseason training with them. And uh, Pierce um, O'Leary was up there at the time, and um, I remember rooming with Anton Rogan and Alan McKnight, the goalkeeper, and um, in the, in one of the houses there. And um, again, at the end of it, I was offered a contract by Glasgow Celtic. However. I haven't had an agent at the time, and um, I got a Belgian side was also very interested. Though I would have loved to play for Sham- for, for for Glasgow Celtic. However, um, it's terms and you know finances, and that was much better going to Belgium. And that's so. That's so. Twice Celtic slipped through my fingers. <laughs> you know, jump but, in, um, jump just, into um, Fram Reykjavik in the nineteen eighty two. Uh, UEFA Cup that remains a record win an aggregate win for Rovers you scored in the first leg in Iceland was that a good memory? It is it was yeah that, that, that was, it was great to play in Europe and to play up in uh, up in Reykjavik uh, actually a funny thing another Celtic thing with that was that I had a bit of a calf injury and when we flew in we, we flew from Dublin to Glasgow and Glasgow to Reykjavik or Catholic I think it was but anyway we, we were in Glasgow and myself and um, who was it at the time? Was it, that was 82, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think it was, and I, I had to go to Parkhead and like to get some treatment. So Celtic said it was okay for me to go up and get some treatment because we had a six hour delay or something before a flight. So I got the treatment in Parkhead and, um, and then uh, I got back in the taxi straight to the airport to meet up with the lads and we went up to play up there. So I have a few, <laughs> you know, Celtic played a big part in a few things in my life. The next round against the Romanians didn't go as well, however. Uh, comprehensively beaten 3-0 by Craiova and you scored an own goal. And then afterwards, you, you found yourself out of favour with the management the time following that. I know. It, it was, um, I think it was my one and only own goal. Um, I'm nearly sure Colin found it on, a, on, a, on some, sort of a, some sort of a podcast or some sort of, on the internet somewhere along the line. And they gave me a bit of stick about it. But however, it wasn't the fact that um, it was the own goal that I got stick about. It was, I think it was the fact that the bit he got was in black and white, which even made it worse. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. Um, they, they, they had a good side, Crayover. They were a good professional outfits, you know what I mean? They, they, they were a good side. Did you find yourself out of favour? to win that way. Did you find yourself out of favour? Sorry? 
did you find yourself out of favour with Giles and the management team after that game related to that game or was it something else no I, no, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe it was just going through a bit of a, um, a low patch or something like that, and the goals weren't coming. <laughs> the young goals were mine, but the, the goals weren't coming. And uh, I think uh, I, I, was, I think I might have been uh, put on the bench for a few weeks or something like that after. But I, I don't. I didn't have any real problems with Giles or any of the team, any of the management team. We were runners-up in 1992. That's as close as we got under Giles to the league title. He had won the Cup in uh, 78, but was the pressure building on him to deliver silverware after all the hype and expectations? Yeah, you know what I mean? When you're... He put. I think there was a lot of money spent as far as you know, and the players and that you know, you know, full. It costs money to have a full time professional outfit, you know. And um, I, I'm sure, knowing John Giles, that he would be putting. He would have put a lot of pressure on himself, you know what I mean. And um, he possibly, you know, he possibly expected to get more from it than he did, as far as trophies were concerned. When people when people talk about the great strike partnerships of Rovers, your one with Liam Buckley is always the one of the first ones that get mentioned. What what was it about you two that you had such an understanding and you seem to be the perfect match? Well, the Bucko Bucko's a great lad. He's a good friend of mine as well, Liam. And when Liam came across, when Liam came to play with us, what I the thing about Liam was Liam was more of a target man than I would have been and where he could hold it up or he could knock it on and he was excellent in the air he was great in the air to be honest with you and um, like once that ball used to come up and you just say you knew we, we had a great understanding and he knew just to flick it and like with my pace and he, him holding it up or him knock it, you know, knocking it on or whatever it, 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 it worked out to be a great partnership over you know a couple of seasons and that you know and the more we played together the, the, the better it, it worked out you know it worked out really well and Lee, like I said Lee was, Lee was an excellent player you know it was great and he was a, it was great to play alongside him you know what I mean because um, he like the, let me see they, they always say that forwards are selfish and all that but I don't think that that was um with myself and Liam, you know what I mean. Like if I seen him in a better position, he got it. Same with the and vice versa. You know, the two of us worked very, very well together, and we were. And I think us being friends off the park as well. You know, it, um, it, it that helps as well. You know, your careers seem to be somewhat intertwined. You're both strikers that came to Rovers at the same time at the age of nineteen. You both left for the continent in nineteen eighty four. Within a few months of each other. You both played in Belgium, and then he actually replaced you as Santander in nineteen eighty six. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that, that that's that was just after the year that we won the championship, and that you know, and um, it was like Liam. Liam had signed. Liam came to see me and just said to me, "Al," he said, "I wanted to tell you earlier." He says, "But." I'm after signing for a team at Belgium and called Warrigan. And I said, all right, I didn't want about it. And he said to me that he has a, an agent. And uh, he said his, the agent's name was a fellow called Fernando Goiverts. So um, he said, oh, would you be interested? And I said, in what? And he says, would you be interested in going away? He says, well, I, I said, I'm 24 years of age. Um, I just got married. You know, we've just won the championship. And you know what I mean? Um I said, well, I said, if, if something came up that I'd be interested in, you know what I mean? I'd like if, if there's offers, you know? And what happened then was he gave Fernand my number. And out of the blue, this lad, Fernand Goyverts, gave me a call. And it was more or less 
I was flabbergasted about what he said to me. He actually said to me, where do you want to go and play? What country in Europe do you want to play in? That was as simple as that. And I said, well, give us an example there. And he was saying, we can go to Belgium. He said, you can go to Holland. He said, you can go to France. You can go to Spain. And I just come back from Spain on my holidays. And I loved it. Uh, not my holidays, my honeymoon, actually. And I said, I'd love to play in Spain. Not thinking for a moment that this was ever going to happen. You know what I mean? I, like, I was just pie in the sky at the time. And next thing, I got a phone call back after about two or three days. No, he actually came to see me in Dublin. He came to see me. And he says, as simple as this, he says, I've got two offers for you. He says, you can sign for either Sporting Kikon, and they give you a one-year contract, or you can sign for Racing, Santander, and they give you a two-year contract. And he says, uh, that, um, you know, you'd be expected to be out there in the next couple of weeks. And that's how quick and how it happened. Simple as that. So they got in touch with Rovers. Rovers ex- accepted the, the, the transfer. We ended up, Jim McLaughlin, myself, and Louis Klein heading to Madrid and met Guy Verdster, all the paperwork done, and I ended up in Santander um, the following week. So that's, that's, that's as quick as it happened. You know what I mean? It happened overnight. They were newly promoted as a top fly at the time. I believe you actually have to look up Santander on the map. You'd never heard of them. That's I never, see Santander now is a bank, and it's like well, it was always a bank, but it was a It wasn't as big as its worldwide bank as it, as it was then. Like I didn't know where Santander was, and um, you know, I mean, I didn't know where Kikon was either. To be perfectly honest with you, but I didn't, uh, you know, to be honest with you now, you know, the both of them are on the north coast. However, um, it was strange because. When I did get there, it's just one of these things of football, quirky things that happen. The first game of the season was against Sport, Sporting Kikon. And um, I ended up like a packed stadium in Santander in uh, El Sardinero was the name of the stadium. And uh, I ended up scoring the winner, a one nothing win, and the uh, first game of the season. And it was, you know what I mean, that, that was a great moment as well. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better start, but you, you were 24 years old in a new country where you didn't speak the language. How did you acclimatise? It, it was quite difficult at first. Um, I, we, the the travelling there is, and you know, takes up a lot of your time because we used to get the bus everywhere and there's fabulous places in Spain. Like, you, you know, you'd be going to Sevilla or Seville, you'd be going to places like Madrid, you'd be going to Barcelona, all these places, San Sebastián, all these places. And um, only you'd only be going on buses, you know, that type of thing. So what they'd done was they put me, um, uh, they put the captain of the team, who was a fellow called Kike Setien. Now, Kike Setien is now the current manager of Barcelona. Um, Kike and um, he could speak a little English and I had no Spanish of course however what they done was they they, they gave me Spanish lessons every day after training and um, I had to go to this place um, where this and they also had a, a young interpreter for, with me as well, well a fellow called Pablo um, a young student and he used to come to the games and do whatever training sessions if the manager wanted to speak to me and things like that until I started picking up the you know the like by the time I left like I spent three years in Spain and by the time I left I was you know I, I was doing okay I was you know I was able to make myself I could understand and make myself be understood Irish players um, playing their trade on the continent was something of a rarity back then other than Liam Brady in Italy and Michael Robinson in Spain there wasn't a whole lot that's true that's true I know, I know that um, actually I've 
I, I went up to meet with Michael one time. He was playing with Osasuna at the time and just met him for coffee one time. Because you know, that's when I was with, uh, I'm nearly sure I was with Lovernese at that time. And uh, because Osasuna or, you know, um, Pamplona was not too far from uh, Lebronio. So uh, there was very few players at that particular time. I think Laurie Cunningham was around. Oh, no, the Irish players. I did, very few, actually, when you think about it. Were, but I'm sure there must be more now, is there? There's a lot like more I'm now. I'm not but aware I, of that many. Particularly in the 80s, I suppose. But uh, you played in every game that first season. You scored nine goals. But Santander would often play only one up front, especially away from home. And you would have been so used to having a strike partner. So was that difficult? It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was an eye opener. You know what I mean? And you, um, just it was, it was very like at home. It was different because you played two up front, and you, and uh, it was, uh, it was, it was much better playing at home. And I think I scored all my goals at home. Never scored away from home. And funny thing about it was, then when I went to Lagrenier's, they played two up front, and my first away game, I scored. <laughs> Which you know what I mean? It just. It just meant, uh, you know, in two years in Saladere, never scored an away goal. But a simple reason, they just, they were quite happy to defend and um, uh, hopefully hit people on the break. And that's, you know, so um, it's just one of them things, just never scored away from home. With Santander, but then first game, Lovrenese score away from home. So it's, you know, it just gives you an idea. how to, It is difficult in Spain, especially away from home when you're going to places like, you know, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid and Barcelona, you know, Espanyol, Sevilla, Zaragoza. They, these are all good sides. It's hard to come away with something. But we used to, you know, like, uh, you know, the whole, the, the whole thing about Santander was you got a you got a bonus for it. was called permanencia. Permanencia means staying in the division. And that's what, that's what the goal always was when well the two years that I was with Santander was permanency that they wanted to stay in the in the first division or La Liga if, as we know it now so you played in places like uh, Camp Nou and the Bernabeu I read that you when you played Barcelona there managed by Terry Venables at the time going for the title that the noise was was unreal and you were kind of awestruck at first yeah, it's just something that, you know what I mean, because the, the, the resting rooms in the new camp are on the, on the ground, and you come out and all you see here, you know, and, and they were they, they were going for the first championship in, in a few years, I think it was. And Terry um, was a manager, actually, I had a drink for him after it. But the fact was that you just walk out, and all you can see is just people, 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 and that noise was unbelievable. But it was a fantastic atmosphere, and it, it was an experience that I'll never, ever forget. It was fantastic. Yeah, no. So how would you, how do you sum up going from playing at Lone and Finn Harps to playing Barcelona and Real Madrid and the world's greatest players on a weekly basis? Was was it pressure and how did you handle that? I suppose you can you can you can look at it as uh, as pressure, but you know the Santander side they were they were a good side. You know what I mean? And everybody worked hard for each other, and it was um, that's that was one thing that you could say that they worked extremely hard. Now I don't think we ever took a point in the new camp or or the Bernabeu for that matter. However, um, we were never, we say, outplayed by a lot of goals either. We weren't hammered at any stage. You know what I mean? It was only, you know what I mean? We won uh, one or two nothings and things like that. You know what I mean? But um, you, you have to acclimatise fairly sharp. You have to understand where you are and what you, what, you know, you know what your what your job is, and once you um, accept that, you, you kind of take it in your stride. To be perfectly honest with you, because you're what you're 
you know, you're, you're not a kid anymore. You're not 19, 20 years of age. And, you know, you're not, a, you know, you're 24, 25, 26 years of age and you're expected to go out there and work hard and perform. And um, that's what I tried to do. And that's why I possibly played every game that season. So on that note, in your entire career in the four countries you played in, who's the best player you played with and you played against? Oh, let me see. Played with. Um, see, I'd, I'd have to kind of go with, you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about, I played with some great players. When you look at the likes of, you know, John Giles and you're looking at, like, Pat Bourne was a great player. I, I love playing with Pat Bourne. You're looking at Liam Buckley as well, who I love playing with. And then you go over to Spain and you just, the man I just mentioned to you, the player I just mentioned to you was Kike Setien. Kike Setien um, played the first season in Santander with us and then he went and signed for Atletico Madrid. He was a player. He was, he was a great player. And um, let me see, another player I played with, um, his name was uh, uh, Werner Lika. I played with him in Belgium. Like he, remember Czechoslovakia won the, was it the European Championships in, uh, was it 78 or something like that? Like he was a part of that team. But, you know, he, even though he's coming to the end of his career, what a player. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was great. That you'd, you'd have to watch him in training and seize. And when you, this guy, when you go to, um, when you go to training um, in the morning, he'd be there a half an hour before everybody else out on a park and he'd be there a half an hour after everybody else. You know, that type of a player. Smashing lad as well. And um, but you know what I mean. I'd say Kiki at the end. You know, uh, he he was a he was a super player. You know, but all the other ones that I mentioned as well, they were all great players as well. And if I was to ask you your toughest opponent, I'm I'm going to predict that you would say uh, the butcher of Bill Bell because he left his mark on you one day. His friendly <laughs> with Spain at Flower Lodge. Switch it. There is the butcher of Bilbao with him. If you think about it, three three or four days before the cup final that we lost the UCD, Keeley got me as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me seven stitches in my face. So that, that that's a player that you're, you're playing with this guy. So, <laughs> so uh, but there, there is that. There is um, Gokachia, the, the guy, the butcher of Bilbao. You know what I mean? And um, he. He uh, left one or two marks, there's no doubt about that. But off the park, he was a lovely fella. Just like Keeley, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of your three caps that you earned for Ireland. You earned all three of them while playing in Spain. So this would have been under Owen hand just before Jack Charlton came in. That's correct. That's correct. Um, against Italy, Spain and Israel. Um, you know, let me see, the Italian game was in Dublin, the... The Spanish game was in Cork and Israel was in Tel Aviv. And um, it, it, it was fantastic to play for Ireland. You know it yourself. It's every kid's dream, you know. And it was a dream come true to put on the green shirt. There's no doubt about that. You know. I did. I, I remember we went down to... Uh, remember we went down to... I think it was Elche... No, Hercules of Alicante. And um, Mario Kempis. Remember the Argentinian? Mario Kempis was playing for them at the time and we were playing them and Jack Charlton came to the game and uh, yeah, I had a chat and a coffee and that with him afterwards and that, you know, and we had a chat about things but um, uh, I think the game was a nil-all draw down there. I'm really sure it was a nil-all draw. I think I was playing with, I was think, I'm really sure I was playing with Logrodies at the time but um, uh, nothing materialised, you know what I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't chosen or anything like that afterwards. You know, but um, it's still, you know what I mean? I was still delighted to at least get a couple, you know, two or three caps. It was great. 
So two seasons at Santander and then you're off to uh, La Rioja, the famous wine district. So did you enjoy a few glasses there? <laughs> I did indeed. Uh, La Rioja is actually my eldest daughter. Um, she's uh, uh, She was born in La Rioja, actually, um, and in Logroño. And Logroñés, they, they were a great side. They, 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 well, actually, with, with Logroñés, we got promoted. We actually got promoted. Um, up into the, the first division and that was a great season as well and um, um, I left after one year there smashing place, lovely people great place in Italy, if you enjoy Spanish wine that's the place to go to be honest with you you know, it, actually when we did get promoted, um, we were paraded around the city in, in, in these jeeps, with all these jeeps and all that we got a fantastic reception and every bodega, you know where all the wine is, you know where all the way in wine is uh, Made all the carry on. They, they, every bodega in La, in La Rioja wanted us to go and have dinner or have so we had to go for lunch in one and then dinner in another to over about a two week period. <laughs> it was it was it, it was really good times, you know, really really good times. I believe you spent a good Christmas once in Spain with uh, Liam Buckley and Jacko McDonough. Well, Jacko, Jacko was there. Liam, um, Liam wasn't there. Jacko was definitely there. Jacko is Jacko's a character. Jacko's a great character altogether. You know, I had a lot of time for Jacko. He, uh, uh, he could tell you stories. Actually, it was we, we we had Christmas dinner and there was Jacko and there was his his um, I think it was girlfriend at the time. I'm not too sure. And um, we had uh, Morton Donner up. He was the Danish international that played with us in something there. And um, it was a mate of mine from Liverpool, another lad, or um, Michal, um, an English guy. He was there, and his partner as well. So we had a, it was like a big League of Nations with you know sitting down for a Christmas dinner, that dinner. But Jacko, Jacko made it. You know, he 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 was playing with Neem, I think, at the time. Was he? He was playing in somewhere in France. Jacko actually reached out to us the other day. He wants to make his own appearance on this show, so we'll see what stories he has about you. I don't want to go into too many stories about anybody, to be honest with you. But <laughs> um, without doubt, he was a character. He still is a character, I bet. Uh, and if you're talking to him, tell him I was asking for him, will you? I will do. So after three years in Spain, you went to play in Belgium in 1987. Your your agent was actually Belgian, so that had a lot to do with it, did it? It did, yeah. Fernando Goivert, Fernando Goivert, he was a Belgian internationally. He played with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So, you know, being he, he do his stuff. So um, that's when I was up at Celtic and, you know, it, the terms were a lot better in Belgium. And I'd, I'd been away, you know, in Spain and that, and I just wanted to try something new as well. So it, it was a great... And the thing about it was, in Spain, you had to learn the language because nobody... Spoke. It, it, nowadays, young people are learning English and all, but in them days, they weren't. Not in the 80s. You know, very, very few people spoke English or even close, you know what I mean? Like, they, they even broken English. Now, when I went to Belgium, Everybody, nearly everybody, spoke spoke fairly good English. You know what I mean. So really, like like when there was a team, we say um, a team talk before the game. The manager would give first of all he'd give it in Flemish, and then he'd give it in, in French. So he gave he'd have to do the same team talk. You know what I mean? In in two languages, you know, and then of course in English as well. So you'd you'd get <laughs> you'd get um, you get the three kind of team talks if you know what I mean. It was, a, it was a strange, it was a strange setup. And you played out the remainder of your career in Scotland, and you liked them these so much. You never left. Thirty years later, still your home. 
yeah, I did. We, we came to Dundee and uh, we bought a place here in Monifeet, which is, it's just the next village beside Carnoustie where the golf and that is played. Now, I don't play golf myself, but it's a lovely area. It's only five minutes. It's only two minutes walk down this road to the, to the beach and things like that, you know. And um, my girls, uh, um, like I said, Clara was born in Spain. She now lives in, uh, now she's... She lives in Texas. She, she's over in Texas, and um, with her, with my granddaughter, my eldest granddaughter, um, Ava, and then there's um, my youngest daughter, Nicola. She's a school teacher, and she's a uh, she has a little girl there, um, eighteen months ago, and her name is Orla. So all girls, but th- my my two girls were Clara and Nicola. They were going to school. They were doing well. Everything was fine. And even though I think at one stage we had a house to go on sale and we were going to go home, we just, you know, because things were going so well here, we decided that we would um, we'd give it another year or two and then another year or two and it just kept going on and on, you know. So uh, that's that's where we stayed. And, you know, what I mean, like I ended up playing with Dundee for a couple of seasons and um, then went up to Fulford Athletic. But I got a bad injury. I got a bad um, Achilles injury. And like my, my game was all about pace. And, you know, once the Achilles more or less went and I had two operations on it, it just, it never, it never fixed. It never, it never, um, couldn't, just couldn't get it right at all. So unfortunately then, you know what I mean? I, I thought, well, what are we going to do now? And, you know, so um, I just went back to college and all that. went into social work and I went into social work 25 years ago and I'm still there today. If I could just jump back a bit, actually, there's a few questions I didn't ask about towards the end of your your Roberts career. Your best tally was 24 goals in the 1983-84 season and a league winner's medal debut under Jim McLaughlin. Hattrick is against Finn Harps and Home Farm along the way. So that must have been one of the highlights of your career to claim your first league title. Well, the thing about that was that that it was a fantastic season to be probably honest with you but the thing about that was it may never have happened because you know what I mean like I that was a, that was a year that um, I was a little unsettled and that's when Bohemians and Dundalk and Athlone and that were all like I, I have headlines that there was headlines in the paper that these teams were very interested in signing me and then all of a sudden Jim McLaughlin took over and he came to see me and he said look he said we're going to Italy next week and we're going over for a five-a-side tournament, I think it was, indoor five-a-side tournament. Just c- come with us. We'll have a chat and hopefully we can get you right and get you, get you signed for, for overs next year. And I went and I was so impressed with Jim and so impressed with his outlook and so impressed that I had no hesitation. And, you know what I mean? Once, once, we got, once we got playing that year, I never looked back after that. You know what I mean? That's when we went on to score the goals and that uh, the twenty-four goals and the cup final. I don't want to speak about the cup final if you don't mind, <laughs> because uh, that, was, that was a freaking nightmare. I believe that question. <laughs> <sir. laughs> that, that, that still puts me in bad mood when I even think about it. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, but that, that was a fantastic. And you know what I mean? Good side. If you think about it, like you know, you had Jody and you had Anthony Whale and like. <laughs> mentioned that earlier you had uh, you know Big Dermot and, and Jack Oak and uh, John Cody and that and then you had Neville Stephen flying down the right wing you had, you had uh, uh, what's your name um, you had Noel King you know directing everything and then Pat Warren you know and 
Mick Devil then on the left and that, you know, and then book on myself up front. Like it was a that was a good side. You know what I mean? I, you know, Jim Jim created that and the atmosphere in the place was really, really good as well and everybody working for each other. It, it was a that was a good side, you know what I mean? And you had, of course you you, you had Peter Eccles and you, you know, Pat O'Toole and, you know, uh, Kevin Brady as well. You know, they're like they, it was a good squad. And it was only it wasn't that big of a squad when you think about it. You know, but um it was um it was a great year. You know, I thoroughly enjoy that year because, but like, you know, if you think about it, like that particular year, like you just won the, just won the, the championship. Um, I got married a couple of weeks later as well, and then signing for, uh, for Santander as well. Like all this happened all in the matter of, you know what I mean, of um, a couple of months. It was it was a really really you know, a fantastic time to be about, you know, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but it was a very exciting time, you know, especially, uh, you know, winning the championship, getting married, and then, uh, you know, going away like that as well, you know, it all, it was, it was a great time. This is a, a Robbers Player of the Year series we're doing at the moment, and you won it at the end of that campaign, 83-84. What do you remember from the ceremony itself yeah. going in and your reaction afterwards <laughs> to receiving the award? It was a, it was a fantastic honour to win that, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, that's that's one of the highlights of my time and to to, to win player of the year than Rovers is a is a is a big accolade. And uh, I was uh, I was thrilled to win it, especially the year that I won it was the year that we won the championship as well. And it was a, you know what I mean, it was a fantastic uh, it was absolutely fantastic um it was uh, I was thrilled to win it because uh, I, you know, even at that stage, I didn't know it was going away or anything like that. But the fact was, I, I remember, I, I, I remember my dad. My dad was thrilled, and my brother and that as well. They, you know what I mean? Just, just to see them as well. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they got a, they, they get a great kick out of it as well. And um, but it, it was a, you know what I mean? I was very proud and delighted to have won that accolade. There's no doubt about that. Do you have a favourite ever goal you scored for Rovers? Um, I think my debut goal against Galway. I think that always stays in my mind. I, I remember that one, you know. And the, the, there was the odd one nothings, and you know what I mean. I remember, I remember scored against Waterford one time, and I remember Peter Thomas, I think, was the goalkeeper at the time. And I remember it all coming across, and was nil over a couple of minutes ago, and jumping up and heading it, and he came flying out such a wallop. And I, I don't remember the ball even hitting the net. I don't even remember myself hitting the ground because I think he knocked me out. You know, there's goals like that. You know that. Um, was uh, you know, but you know what I mean. Like, I I just loved scoring winning goals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you know, late equalizers, things like that. They they, they always gave you buzz, you know. But um, it was um, no, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, six years and overs. There's no doubt about that. But to finish it all off, winning Player of the Year was a you know was a you know that was the icing on the cake. To be honest with you. Yeah, we'll just finish with the last couple of questions that were sent in by listeners. Uh, Gary Cosgrove asks, who was the best player you played with in your St. Joey's days? Oh, in St. Joseph's. We had, uh, let me see, St. Joseph's. We had some good, you know, you had uh, Chippy Devlin, you had um, Tony Clark. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking of uh, Aidan McCluskey. I'm, I'm just, they're all going through my head at the moment. It possibly, it would have to be, it would have to be Anto Whelan. Anto, uh, you know what I mean? I played with Anto right through, all the way up from 12B right up into 
18 Premier, you know. So, uh, and then uh, Anto went off to play, signed for Manchester United. You know, but um, I, would, I would nearly say it was Anto, you know. And finally, this one comes from Jer Fury. He asks, he says, "Ask Alan, is he still fixing punctures?" <laughs> oh, I, I haven't fixed a puncture for many, many a long day. To be honest with you, sometimes, sometimes you just think back on them days, and they were good times as well. Working with my dad, you know, and my brother. But um, I haven't fixed a puncture now in many a long day. Do you still get back to Ireland once in a while? Yeah, yeah, like to be honest with you, just for the the, the, the shutdown on that, only for that I would have been home there. I, I tend to, what I do is I tend to um, drive home and then stay a few days and then fly over to Houston and Texas to see my daughter Clara and then fly back to Dublin and spend a few days and then head back. That's, that's what I tend to do. I've been doing that the last few years. So I tend to go, I might go a couple of times a year to Texas. That was great, and I thoroughly, yes. enjoyed, uh, thoroughly enjoyed talking today. That was fantastic. Yeah. Okay, then, Carl, listen, thanks thanks very much for everything. And uh, tell Colin I was asking for him <laughs> you're talking to. <laughs> well, Dale, thanks a million, Alan. So we've, uh, that was Alan. And um, fascinating stuff when you think about uh, he was in the top flight of La Liga for two seasons, like. Yeah, to go from Milltown to the Liga in the space of a few months. I think it's brilliant. It's a great story. It's fascinating. It's a good read as yeah. well if you look at his Wikipedia and stuff like that. Just to see the steps <laughs> and there's a couple of stats websites as well if you want to have a look at the goal. He scored nine goals in one season in La Liga. I think he was the top scorer on his team that season as well in his debut season. So mm. some really impressive stats there. Some great stories. That was the top flight of Spanish football. Nowadays, the car Santander kind of bounce around the the lower leagues of, of Spain second and just got relegated to the third tier so that's a uh, goalkeeper son actually was on loan to them recently to Santander yeah yeah no it's a uh, it's fascinating stuff the Irish abroad isn't it see how it did and mm. like you were saying um, he was replaced by Buckley yeah it's at weird. Santander it's weird isn't it they both played in Belgium yeah mm. you heard that we were from Crumman Oh uh, really? And he said that. I said, "Oh yeah, my man, that were for coming." He told me what rows the group on and all. Even though he's he's from the Brack himself. He's from the Brack, a good yeah. rover stronghold. But he's probably most famously associated with, aside from the Buckley partnership. Because most people, when they say Buckley, they say Campbell, and vice versa. Yeah, they just say them in the same breath. And a lot of people like regard that as their probably our best strike partnership. It's something that I always regret yeah. not seeing. Is, is a partnership like that that people mm. always go back to and say how good it was you know but maybe most famously associated <laughs> with uh, that soccer reporter £1,000 prize it's a great picture from the paper with the giant check for a grand sharpshooter of the season and uh, it was Limerick's Tony Morris who ran him close and uh, Campbell pipped him right at the end I should bring that back 20th goal it's a nice yeah. incentive I didn't ask him but I wonder like because our game at UCD and Nimick's game with Finn Harps, or sorry, with Tom Farm, they were being played at the same time. And were, were they at the stage where one goal was was the was the was the prize? Like? Well, Morris was on nineteen, Campbell was on eighteen, so Campbell needed two, and he got his two within twenty seven minutes of the game. Yeah. So, like, with no internet or mobile phones, like, 
Does someone just ring up someone at the ground and say, "Right, has Morris scarred you?" No, uh, it's okay. a, a pigeon post. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange one. It's isn't like it? the Galway and Drogheda the game at Tada. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus, you're, you're getting you're getting updates. A grand back then, that would have been a lot of money. Yeah, mm. of course. Yeah, 138 league goals scored between Campbell and Buckley. Jesus, dynamic S- duo. Some some turn around there. He scored 24 in the 83 84 season. Only Gary Twig in 2009 has scored <laughs> that many in one season. There we go. Prophet's back with the stats. But here's my favourite stat of all, Gary. You, you know what's coming. It's coming. You know what's coming. His last club in 992 was far, far athletic. <laughs> I need I remind you, Gary, that we did see a score of far, far 5 East 5 4 in 1964, <laughs> but there's never been an East 5 4 far, far 5. Except on penalties a couple of years ago. <laughs> Say that ten times first. <laughs> so a few stats now. It's been a while actually. Hits with the stats, bro. We're unbeaten since September. Yes. Actually, hold on. Kane was talking. Me and Kane were having a chat. Young videographer about this, and he reckons the last loss was Dundalk away. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Good man, Kane. A budding statistician. Yeah. First time since 2009. That we're only going to play in three competitions in a season. That was League, FBI Cup and League Cup. Because the Lancer Senior Cup didn't come in until the following season. I know, yeah. It's that's a joke, isn't it? That's always been there. <laughs> Your favourite uh, cup. Oh, yeah. Uh, Saturday home games. We had one last year. That was a 2 all draw with Derry. Remember we squandered a 2-0 lead. Oh, yes. And the year before, it was only one as well. 5-0 over Bray. So it's been been a few Saturdays away, but they're the only Tala ones. So max two hundred people allowed in Tala on Saturday, as we know. How many of those would be supporters? I don't know, hundred or less. Oh, I think less. I yeah. think less. You're gonna you, you're underestimate. I think a lot of people are underestimating the amount of staff and order Malta and officials mm. and media, and I think that they they really are underestimating the amount of people that are going to be in the ground. I was trying to think what's the record lowest attendance for a game at Tala and I don't know for sure but I reckon it was 800 against Derry in the 2012 Satana Cup semi-final. Because I remember looking around that day and thinking mm. this is the lowest crowd I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Possibly, possibly, bruv. But as for our lowest ever home attendance I'm pretty sure this is the one, right? Last home game of the 1976-77 season so this is right before Giles came in Saturday afternoon in Milltown we're on a run of 7 straight defeats Jesus we haven't won a home in over 4 months so Paul McGee gave Rovers the win over at Town in front of 63 paying customers if there's anybody out there that was part of this 63 the, the Milltown 63 <laughs> we need to know absolutely we need to know speaking of Milltown there's an absolute head case out there who is doing a what way would you describe it it's a model he's doing a model of of of, um, of Milltown what would you a scale so a soy scale model is that what you call it no miniature model so he's doing yeah apparently it's nearly complete like it's, this is impressive I won't reveal who it is yet but how long has he been working on this? He's been working on it since lockdown. <laughs> he decided, I'm going to build a miniature mill town during lockdown, and apparently it As you is do. amazing. So this is a, this will be revealed soon enough. 
the but, big 1899 gate and all yeah brilliant brilliant stuff so a couple more we're looking for our 10 straight win over Finn Harps so we've beaten them on each of the last nine meetings and in general we are on a run of eight consecutive league games so this obviously spreads right back to October mm-hmm. of last year if we do nine It'll be the first time since 1966. 66? Yep. Really? That's some stat there, Prof. You were digging in the archives for that one. Well, I'm pretty sure I called that out before we played Harps last time. You could have, Because yeah. we thought that game was going ahead well, at the time. Uh, Joey O'Brien set to make his 50th competitive appearance for Rovers. Which might surprise me, but I think it'd be more. This is his, what, his third season? But yeah. Joey's been great. Mm-hmm. And finally, Wednesday, as you hear this, Stephen Bradley will be in charge of the club for 1,484 days, which means he is just after surpassing Ray Tracy from 1992 to 1996, making him Rovers' longest serving manager since John Giles. From 1977 to 1983. Whoa. Whoa. There you go. Statzilla. Statosaurus fucking Rex, <laughs> man. That is a beast of a stat. Longest serving manager since John Jones. Yep. Wow. Bravo, bravo, bravo. That was a cracker. I'm telling you. Okay. So that's it for the stats. And uh, a few doozies there, bro. Um... Robbers have played a number of friendly games behind closed doors in the last couple of weeks. So against the likes of Lucan and Waterford, we went up to the Oval to play Glentoran. Comfortable win there. Um, I think it ended 3-0. Um, Lucan, I think we bounced off them. 6-0, Lua got 3 or 4. Waterford, we beat them. We're unbeaten, but it all means nothing till we get to the league. It's just about getting fit, getting minutes in, getting the, the tiredness out of the legs. Um... Preparations continued on Saturday with home games against UCD and Cliftonville are starting 11 against UCD was as follows. Manus with Joey Grayson Pico on a back three. We had uh, Gary O'Neill, Finn, Watts, McInef, Green, Williams and Lafferty in there and Hoops ran out 4-2 winners with goals coming from O'Neill, Lopez, Williams and Nugent. Young C block on fire in pre-season. He's got 8-5 and five, I think. Um, and the debate about this raged on in our whatsapp group on is uh, Williams deserving of a start versus Finn Harps prof well because of injuries if we've now Burke or Gaffney and if we're going to play two up front say Hmm. it would be Williams and Green if it's only one up front maybe Williams can be uh, an impact sub but the thing about this is like there's 13 games left there's very little room for error this is basically a 13 game title running very very little room for experimentation as well <laughs> and it's something that you can't fuck around with realistically like I mean just looking at that that's probably going to be our starting lineup against Harps because of injuries to Borky Gaffney Jack Borman's doing soft training that day isn't featured in any of the friendly games either Greg Bulger's out with a, a horrific injury so hopefully Greg gets better soon and um, came off worse than a challenge it's Waterford, so you're looking at pretty much our starting lineup as the one against UCD. If you want to go with that, 100 percent Williams should feature against Harps because we're we're dying to see him thrown in now. 
but here's I, the I think thing. he has made a couple of sub appearances. Here, here's something as well that we we spoke about is that who is Jack's replacement in this season? You mean? No, to when Jack is out. Let's say Jack doesn't play the next two games. Who do you slot in for Jack? We we talked about Cabo. We talked about Cabo being yeah. put in the middle of the park, which is he could do do a job. He could more than do a job. He's got the brain for it. He's got the technical ability. The man who has most benefited from from this break, Sean Cabinet. Yeah, definitely. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I'm just I'm actually actually don't know how to approach the next the next segment, and it's uh, starting eleven and predictions. Jeez, I haven't heard this that. This is weird, isn't it? I haven't heard that little jingle. Yeah, I know. And I'm looking at it thinking, what? Jesus Christ! I'm actually not sure which. What? what, what this is. This is tough. I'm getting the pen out. I'm getting the pen out. Well, I'm just going for the same team as UCD because I think that's what he's going to do. Oh no, I don't, I don't know. Um, it depends on who's fit and who's not. We're, we're going to go with. We know who's not fit, don't we? We know Borky's not there. We know Bulger's not there. Just a side note on Berkey, his contract is up on July 31st. Oh, I don't say that. So, I'm not sure what that means, but... Right, so we're looking at the squad here, right? Obviously, we're going to go Manus. We're going to go Pico, Grace and Joey. So, that's your back three, sorry. Um, this is the tough one now. Is the Frugia or Lafferty, this, is that the This option? is the thing, like, that's that's what I'm talking about. Personally, I'm going to go Frugia. I think... A rampaging Ferrugia against Finn Harps. We go to get his confidence up. I'm going to go <coughs> Reese Marshall on the right. So, this is all barring some sort of mar- some crazy injuries that come about. Um, it has to be Gary O'Neill, McAnef, G-O-N, McAnef, and then who else? Finner. So, that's the three boys in the middle of the park. So, Gary O'Neill, McAneff, and Finn. And then, th- what do we do? Do we go two up front? Is it going to be Williams and Greener? Or Borky's gone. Borky won't be there. Who am I leaving now? I'm going to go Williams and Greener. So you left Watts out. Yeah. But now Watts could go in for Finn. But apparently Watts has been very good in pre-season. So this is the dilemma you're left with. Like if well, he, was, he was very good at the start of the actual season too, remember? Yeah. True, true. So you're dropping him. I think... But you can't drop Finn, can you? And you drop Gary O'Neill like an And you're leaving out Lafferty. This is t- it's tough even with injuries. So that's the midfield trio that you're going to have to uh, wrestle with there is Gary O'Neill, McAnef and Finn. You could put Finn on the right. He could drop Marshall. So if you put Finn on the right where he has excelled last season, you drop Finn from the middle and then you're bringing in um, Watts. So Watts could spearhead your lack of Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, oh. Do you know? Yeah, I'll go with that. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to change it. I'm going to take Marshall out. I'm going to put Finn in. Just because it's the start. It's the restart. And uh, I think we're taking a big enough risk as it is. Or even is it a risk? Putting in Williams and Green. He's doing well. I want to see Williams. So I'm saying same team as UCD and a 2-0 win. 2-0 win. I'm going to go... I'm going to go nice 3-0. I'm going to say nil all in the first half. 3-0 in the second half. So 3-0 to the hoops and goals. I'm going to say Williams. Williams with a brace and a Watts free kick. You'd worry if we, um, like say with a half an hour to go, we're chasing a goal. Yes. As you said, we don't have many attacking options on the bench. Yeah. 
Do you know that game that Bulger was injured in, I think? Apparently, uh, Brando was playing a holding midfield role. Yeah, now, that's the that's the thing as well. That's what you're looking at. Like, realistically, is young Brando going to get in in our midfield three or our top top of the Christmas tree type, like our Williams or our Greens? Is, is he going to get in there? In the cloud? In the cloud. I don't think he is. And I think he's been told to adapt. Yeah. And it's something <clears> that you have to do. What about this Matt Murphy feather? <laughs> uh, apparently he's been really good. Apparently he's been playing in the middle of the park and he's been he's been knocking around. So I don't know. I haven't seen anything of him. Anything. So he obviously he's been decent enough in preseason, and he's been uh, slotted in there. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. So that was it. Starting levels and predictions. Bro. If you're going for two, I'm going for three. Who's your scorers? I'm gonna say Watts and. Dino what's in Dino C block so uh, you were able to pre-order your copy of Hoops in I got mine on Monday and I got me quiz pass as well so there was a tribute page to all the hoops that we've lost in recent months so definitely check that out we knew we'd lost uh, quite a few but when you saw it laid out like that well, it was it's tragic it, wasn't it I was taken aback yeah really was it was terrible um, so a yeah, big tribute to all the hoops that we've lost in recent months so make sure you get your copy Porsches online Um yeah, the quiz pass. Do not forget to get your quiz pass, guys. It's going to be the big night in again. We'll talk about that soon. Um, there's an article by Bartley Ramsey from Finn Harps, who we've had in the show before, and it reads, COVID-19 has certainly hit Finn Harps hard. You must look at the GoFundMe fundraiser that had to be done. This it was to raise funds to bring Finn Park up to standard to be able to host games under the new protocols and to provide for social distancing within the ground. Thankfully, by the middle of July, GoFundMe had reached its target of 30,000 and games can now take place in Finn Park. It must be said that supporters of many League of Ireland clubs donated amongst them one of the fans of Shamrock Rovers, the Harps board and supporters are incredibly grateful. They're looking forward to giving Hoops fans their customary friendly welcome back to Finn Park just as soon as it is deemed safe to do so. So once again, the friend- friendship between Rovers and Harps mm. has blossomed. The Rovers-Harps loving continues. That's it, the only other club that has any sort of uh, niceties for us. Well, it used to be Galway as well, until they joined the First Division Alliance. Uh, that's it, yeah, the dead was now. <laughs> as for our own uh, gun, go fund me. We recently hit 32 grand. Yeah, fantastic stuff. 32,000 quid. And, jeez, uh, we might, might be able to get a left back out of that. <laughs> get much change. 32,000 plus 100 new members plus another quiz night on Thursday. Don't say it, Prof. I thought, were you going to say the big G there? No, what was I going to say? Gargantuan. Why on earth <laughs> would I have said that? Oh, man. When you say that word, I think... Egypt's from Clarny driving around <laughs> causing traffic jams. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, face masks, Prof. Did you get yours? I did. Are online now and it will be uh, on sale in the Megastore on Saturday, 12 till 3. So you can go and you can... <laughs> that's just that's just tempting you, isn't it? Isn't that just killing you? Imagine going up to the Megastore between 12 and 3 and then just realising you can't go to the game. Oh, you'd be just tempting yourself. Um, yeah so get yourself up between half 12 and 3 and uh, purchase any of the rowers gear that we have some lovely new stuff there mm. and don't forget to sign up for the big quiz on Thursday night so it's the last fundraiser before the restart of the season with lots of fun segments loads of great prizes there is a what is there there is rowers merchandise there a is a ta- android tablet yeah tablet that's the big one on the night and just loads of good credit that was brilliant the last time and 
I, I signed up yesterday. I cannot wait for it. Gar is uh, gunning for the Umbro training top, which is one of the prizes for finishing the bottom two. <laughs> I think, I don't know if it, bottom two, maybe. I'm, but that's the thing. Somebody could just put on their quiz and just not play. And then they're going to get the worst prize. Which is FIFA as well, I think. It's a copy of FIFA, so they just sit there and watch well, the whole thing. Surely day. they can tell if people, nobody even entered an answer. Yeah, yeah. So just, we can rule them out. But uh, coming up, like a week before the quiz, uh, I saw a comment on Facebook by Saki Glendon that the podcast should fight Bill Gleason, And I just sort of laughed and I was like, it's like, I but obviously it won't happen. But then I get a text the next day from Gar and he goes, so things have escalated quickly. <laughs> I'm facing Bill Gleason in a sumo match. It's I was a, like, could you tell me the beginning and the middle of the story? Like, where, where did it develop? It was actually, it, I don't know. I think it was, I think it was Glenn. Glenn's busy. Glenn just, I think he needs a hobby. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just happened because we, it turns out that we had um, Bounce Dublin is the name of the guys who uh, sort us out for the castle. So if you need anything bouncy castle wires or anything bouncy or for kids parties stuff like that bounce Dublin are brilliant they really looked after us and uh, yeah we just went toe to toe in the the lovely borough of Sandy Cove and uh, it was hilarious so we're gonna keep an eye out for that video return it's, of the Hublicons as well yeah it's a uh, it's, uh, it's sorts it's pretty funny check it out anyway so there's loads planned for the quiz now <laughs> we've all sorts we've who am I we've lawyers Um we're back again with the same with the same big night in and it was fantastic last time so definitely check that out so I'll see you all on the cherry pickers on Saturday oh sorry wasn't meant to say that was I <laughs> uh, see you on the streams on Saturday uh, yes the streams yes yes that'll do uh, yeah so that's it for this week and uh, it's great to say that well we'll see you soon we'll see you somewhere but uh, might not necessarily be the south stand but we'll see you soon so keep on hooping see ya Let me in, wee